Good morning, everyone. It is a joy to be with you this morning, and it has uh, been a joy to sing the Lord's praises together. I want to do thank you, the praise team, and also the audio team, and the setup ministry for your faithful service every Sunday in ministering to us and just blessing us with this time of worship. We're so thankful for your service to the Lord. And we also do want to thank uh, Brian for sharing with us and all those key announcements which are uh, up ahead. We're thankful for what the Lord is doing and these opportunities for ministry and pray that you will uh, continue to uh, join us for these opportunities. I want to personally thank you as a church for your encouragement to me and to our uh, leadership these past number of weeks and, and months really in your perseverance and your faith in Christ during the season of our church's life. We are trusting that the Lord is doing a good work in our hearts, that he is sovereign over all circumstances, and that he is accomplishing his good work in our lives and in our church. And our eyes are fixed upon him, and when our eyes are fixed upon him, we have great reason to rejoice and to have trust and hope for the future. So we, um, the most important thing as a shepherd, the most important thing for your lives and for mine is that we walk with the Lord that we walk with the Lord. More than anything else, that is my burden for you this morning, is that you be walking with him on a daily basis, that you be trusting in Christ on a daily basis. And those are not just words or ideas. That is a living reality that we have the privilege to experience in our everyday lives. And I just want to encourage you to walk with the Lord to walk with the Lord through this time. Let us say that uh, we can walk with the Lord through uh, difficult seasons and seasons of uncertainty and that he is faithful to us. Uh, let us be able to say that. And so I just wanted to uh, share that heart with you. Uh, I was reminded this week of the words of Jesus to Martha, who was worried and distracted about so many things. I mean, she was just so distracted with so many good things in the Christian life serving Christ, and the Lord said, Martha, Martha, you are just so anxious. Uh, really, there's just one thing that's important, and that's sitting at my feet and hearing from my word, and that is the one thing that is necessary in life. And the Lord was just saying to me through that text, you know, Dan, Dan, you're just so worried and distracted. You have so many things on your heart and your mind. There's just one thing that's necessary and that's that you sit quietly at my feet and that you hear from my word as I minister to you. And so we're going to have the opportunity to do that this morning as we come to the word of God and to just sit at Christ's feet and just to hear from his word. And so as we do that, let's bow our hearts in prayer and let's quiet our hearts before the word of God. Oh, Heavenly Father, those words are so true that so often we are just so anxious and so worried. There are so many things in life, so many issues to resolve, so many problems to tackle, so many circumstances. And, and just many times, Lord, our life is just busy. Lord, we're just hurrying from one thing to the next. And we have so many appointments and responsibilities. And our schedules are packed with good things, Lord. They're packed with good things, things that are from you opportunities to serve, opportunities to develop relationships, opportunities to be in ministry, and yet, oh Father, we confess that we allow the good things many times to take the place of the best thing, the most important thing, the one necessary thing, and that is to sit quietly at your feet. And Lord, I just pray for every believer here this morning, that you would give us the gift of quiet hearts this morning, that we would come to your word, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, and that we would experience the joy that you would have for us in this time as we humble ourselves before what you have spoken. Father, minister to each heart this morning, minister to my heart this morning, let these truths take root in our hearts and produce change for not only time but for eternity. And we pray all this in Christ's precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at a very precious section of Scripture. And it is one that speaks to us about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. This morning I want to talk to you about 
your relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you about my relationship with the Holy Spirit. And really my purpose and my aim in giving you this message is that you would learn to walk by the Holy Spirit. That you would learn to live your lives in submission to the Holy Spirit of God. Let me ask you, when is the last time you've heard a message on the Holy Spirit? And when is the last time you thought deeply about how reliant or how necessary the Holy Spirit is in your life? Or maybe have you fallen to the routine of the Christian life where you're going through the motions of Christian duty and you've really lost that sense of dependence on the Spirit? You've lost that sense of how much you need the Spirit to be working in your life and how much you need the Spirit for every part of the Christian life. You know, every single part of the Christian life, we are dependent on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We are dependent on the Holy Spirit for every part of the Christian life. In fact, there's nothing that we can really do that would be ultimately spiritually fruitful in any way that we can accomplish apart from the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit for everything we do, and yet sometimes, how often do we try to live our lives apart from the Holy Spirit of God? Just relying on ourselves, relying on our own abilities, relying on our own talents, relying on our own wisdom, and not just coming to the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, we need you. We depend on you. We have to have your ministry in our lives. And as Paul comes to the end of his doxology in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, he has been speaking to us of all of the blessings that are contained in the gospel, all of the wondrous expressions of God's grace, and now he comes to possibly one of the greatest expressions of all, the great gift God has given to us of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 13, he says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. God has given to us the Holy Spirit, and we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. You know, that word sealing, it has the idea of permanent possession of an abiding possession. Jesus said, I will give you the Holy Spirit to be your helper and he will be with you forever. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon certain individuals for certain ministries, but the Holy Spirit appears could be lost. David prayed, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And yet in the New Testament era, the Holy Spirit has come and he has come to live in us as an abiding possession. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says that we have been baptized into the Holy Spirit. We've been literally immersed into the person of the Holy Spirit so that there is total identification with us and the Holy Spirit. That same verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, says that we have been made to drink of the Holy Spirit. Not only externally have we been made to be immersed in the Spirit, but internally He has come to live in our hearts. In fact, that indwelling is so real and so precious that 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Just think about that for a moment. Your body is is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Just as in the Old Testament, the temple was the the presence of God dwelt in the temple in a unique way, so the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And sometimes I just look at that truth and I just say, it's just too amazing. I mean, little old me, I'm not a tall guy, and I'm not a big muscular guy, I'm a skinny short guy, but the Holy Spirit dwells in my body just as the Holy Spirit dwells in you if you are a believer in Christ. You know, that is good news this morning to celebrate, and that is good news for us to treasure in our heart that we have been given the Holy Spirit of God. And catch this, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is your helper. He is your helper. John 14, 16 The Father will send you a helper, a paraclete. The word can be translated a comforter or a 
a counselor, one who comes alongside you and helps you with your life. I think it was a week ago, I talked to a dear friend on the phone, and I was just asking him about, how do I manage my schedule? I was asking him, how do I manage my parties? I got all these things on my plate in my life. What should I do? What should I not do? And this friend was just giving me some really good counsel. He's saying, Dan, here are your priorities. You ought to do these things. And these are not as urgent. You should leave these things off. And so Wednesday, you should do this and then do this. And then Thursday, you should do this and then do this at night. And, and don't do this commitment, and, and, but commit to this thing. And I got off the phone. It was like my whole week was clarified. It was just so helpful to get some outside perspective. And it was like, okay, now I know how to live my life. Now I know how to go about my week. And I was just thinking as I got off the phone, gosh, I wish I had a counselor like this who could help me 24-7, who could help me every day of my Christian life and just help me to live my life and know what to do. And then I looked at this text in John 14, where Jesus says, the Father will give you a helper. He will give you one who will come alongside of you to help you in your Christian life. There's a story that's told of uh, Bible translators who went to an African tribe, and they were trying to translate the Bible into this African dialect. And they were trying to translate this word paraclete, helper, counselor, comforter. How do we translate this word into this African language? And they couldn't find the right word to translate, to translate that term until they saw a custom that was in this African tribe. And the custom was this, they would have a line of workers and they would be carrying these burdens from point A to point B. And in the line of workers that would be carrying these burdens, there would be one man who was assigned to have no burden at all. The role of this man was to walk alongside all the other workers and when one of the workers fell or when his burden was too heavy, when he threw his burden to the ground, this one man would pick up the burden and carry it for him. And that was his assignment in that line. He was to come alongside of the other workers. And when the Bible translators saw what that man did, they said, now we have the word to translate paraclete. He is the one who comes alongside Side us. He is the one who helps us in our Christian life. Oh, Christian, are you dealing with temptations to sin? You have a helper to come alongside you. Are you dealing with difficult decisions in your life? You are not alone. No, you have a helper. Are you wrestling with relationships? Are you wrestling with your future? Are you wrestling with collegians, what you're going to major in, what your career should be? You don't have to figure out those things on your own. In fact, you should not figure out those things on your own. No, you have a helper who is coming alongside you, and you can turn to this counselor 24-7. You can turn to this counselor at any point in your life, and you can receive his ministry because he has not only come alongside of us, he has come to actually live inside of us. What a precious gift is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What a precious truth that God has given to us in the gospel. In fact, this gift is so precious, it is so powerful, it is so profound that Jesus said in John 16, 7, that it is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I go, the Holy Spirit will come. I've often looked at with envy at the disciples, the 12 disciples, and just thought, man, what would it be like to actually walk with Jesus? What would it be like to actually just see him in the flesh and to watch him eat breakfast and to hear his words firsthand? I mean, could there be anything more amazing than that than to actually be in the presence of Jesus Christ? And Jesus says, you know what? There's one thing that's even greater than that, and that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit comes, he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you. He will minister my presence to you. 
through his ministry. And so it is to your advantage that I go away, that the Holy Spirit come, and that he minister to your hearts. Dear Christians, are you walking by the Spirit? Are you walking by the Spirit? Are you being filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Are you being submitted to his leadership in your life? Are you trying to figure out life on your own? Are you just saying, you know, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you to be my counselor. I need you to be my comforter. I need you to help me and show me the way to go. Are you walking by the Holy Spirit? You know, I had a friend back in high school, and um, he wasn't a pretentious guy, but he had some kind of rich parents. And I remember he showed me his garage. He took me to his garage, and, and he showed me, my parents have this really expensive car. And it was a, it was a Jaguar. You know, and I didn't, I didn't even know what a Jaguar was. Like, I just thought, I just, wow, that sounds expensive. And it was a really expensive-looking car. And he took me, and he, he showed me the, the front seat, and he, he showed me the odometer. It was almost like no miles on it, maybe 100 miles on it. I remember he'd been telling me, you know, Dan, um, my family, we never drive this car. We just look at it. We're just, like, happy we have it. But we never drive this car. And actually, there was one time, one time, I knew this guy for about four years, one time in those four years where I actually got to ride in the car. You know, it's kind of like, you're like, am I dirty? And you're kind of taking off, making sure you're not messing up anything. And his dad took us a drive around the block. And I was like, wow, this thing is just like so smooth. But then it was like a block around and that's it. We're done. That's all we do with the Jaguar. We don't actually drive it. We just admire it. And as I was thinking about that, I was realizing that, man, you know, that's how many of us Christians, we relate to the Holy Spirit. I mean, we admire him. We're glad he's, we have him. We look at him in the scriptures and we are amazed at the details. We appreciate that he's with us in our lives. We're thankful to God that God's given him to us, but do we actually experience his power on a daily basis? Are we actually getting in the vehicle, so to speak? Or are we trying to live our Christian lives by walking on our own, and then we're wondering, hey, why am I going anywhere? I'm, I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm striving, I'm struggling, and man, I'm in the same place I was last year. And God is saying, no, I didn't give you this car just so that you would look at it, just so you admire it. I gave you this vehicle so that you would take it for a drive. I want the odometer on that car to run up into the thousands. Christian, are you walking by the Spirit? Are you inviting the Holy Spirit's presence and his ministry into your life? Are you asking God for greater, greater expressions of the Spirit? Are you asking him to bear the fruit of the Spirit in your heart and life? And you might be saying, well, Dan, my life isn't that exciting. I mean, I get it. The Spirit is for those really exciting people, you know, really exciting Christians, movers and shakers, and they preach and they do this and do that, and that's who the Holy Spirit is for. But man, my life is boring. I get up on Monday, I go to work in the morning, and then I go home and I play with my kids, and I go to school and I study for my midterms, and it's nothing exciting and there's nothing big going on. Why do I need to rely on the Spirit? I want to shepherd you in this way, that when you look at the descriptions of the Spirit as they are revealed in the Holy Scriptures, there are, to be true, there are some dramatic manifestations of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. There are some amazing and profound manifestations of the Spirit, but there are also great works of the Holy Spirit that are shown in just mundane, ordinary life. In fact, some of the most familiar passages in of the Holy Spirit deal with not great outward expressions of the Holy Spirit, but just quiet living, day-to-day -day life, ordinary life lived under the Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, be filled with the Spirit. 
And then you will sing songs and psalms and spiritual songs. You will be in your heart, be giving thanks to the Lord in all circumstances. And then he says, you will submit to one another in the fear of Christ. In other words, how do you know that you're filled with the Spirit? You become a nicer person. You become easier to deal with. Your wife looks at you and says, you have a humble heart. Or your husband looks at you and starts to see submission. Or as a parent, you start to be encouraging to your children. Or as a worker, Ephesians 6 says, you start to go into your workplace and you start just honoring your boss instead of resisting him and fighting him. And those are the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. They aren't these huge expressions. They aren't these great and radical things. They're just walking by the Spirit in everyday life. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul says this. He wants us to walk by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, and then we will not fulfill the desire of the flesh. Some of us are living our Christian life just trying to do the second half of that verse. Our approach to Christian living is don't do the flesh, don't do the flesh, no, no flesh, get out of the flesh. And we're just focusing on the second part of that verse where Paul is saying, no, you know what? Instruction is not get away from the flesh. The expression is walk by the Spirit. If you walk by the Spirit, the result of your life will be that you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Spirit-filled living is not always some glamorous thing. I know there's aspects to that. And there are great manifestations of the Spirit that we ought to seek and we ought to seek after. But for most of the time, Monday to Saturday, the Holy Spirit shows his work in our lives in very ordinary ways by bearing the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and things like these. And against such things, there is no law. Are you walking by the Spirit? Are you walking by the Spirit? And let me ask you, Christian, are you seeking to make the big decisions of life or even the little decisions in your life apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Because you don't need to do that. He is here to lead you. Galatians 5.18 says we are led by the Spirit. And you're saying, well, Dan, leading is this whole idea of maybe the Holy Spirit gives me these fuzzy emotions. Or maybe the Holy Spirit will give me this mystical experience. But listen to how the Spirit led Jesus in his ministry. In Matthew chapter 4, it says that the Holy Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In other words, the leading of the Spirit is not some mystical idea. The leading of the Spirit is that the Spirit prompts and guides you to move from point A to point B in your life. The my family moved from the San Gabriel Valley down to Anaheim in the last year, and that was the moving of the Spirit. Or if you're in college and you're wrestling with what major you should choose, that that is a place where the Spirit can meet you. Or if you're a husband or a dad and you're kind of wrestling with just what school should I send my kids to? You know, our family, we've been homeschooling for about six or seven years and we decided to, to go to public school this year and we're, we're, we wrestled through these decisions. Do we public school, private school, homeschool? And oftentimes, we just kind of look at those decisions and we just say, well, I'll just analyze the data and I'll just think of the pros and cons and I'll just make a decision. No, that is a place where the Holy Spirit can meet you. That is a place where you can say, Holy Spirit, I want you to lead me and I want you to guide me and I want your leadership to be evident in my life. And sometimes, dear brothers and sisters, what I'll say to you is this, is that the leading of the Spirit isn't going to make much practical sense. The leading of the Spirit isn't going to match the pros and cons. You know, when the Spirit led Jesus, he led him into the wilderness. He led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We would look at that and we would say, that doesn't make sense. 
if you analyze that situation. It doesn't make any practical sense, and yet that was the leading of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the leading of the Spirit doesn't make sense. You know, I, I was watching that video last week of Ryan and Stephanie and how they're ministering to a foster child and how they're pouring out their hearts and their lives to this child, and I was just thinking, this doesn't make sense in the world's eyes. If you analyze that situation, it doesn't make practical sense. Why pour out your heart in such a sacrificial way? And yet that is the leading of the Holy Spirit. I think of many of you who have sacrificed your vacations, who have sacrificed your time, your money, your effort. You have laid down your life to go overseas to some people that you don't even know and you've never met and have nothing in common with you, who speak another language, and yet you've gone because you believe that that is the leading of the Holy Spirit. And even your parents will look at that and say, that doesn't make any sense. And even the world will look at that and say, that doesn't make any sense. Go spend your vacation in a nice spot. Why spend that time pouring out your life in that way? And yet you say, I'm going because I believe that this is the leading of the Spirit. Sometimes we just need to say, Holy Spirit, it doesn't make any sense, but we are going to submit to your leading, and we want you to guide us, that we don't want to be ruled by our own practical notions. No, we want to follow you no matter where you lead. Sometimes we just need to say to the Holy Spirit, I am going to submit to you no matter what you desire. You take the driver's seat, and I'll be in the passenger seat, and I will, lead you, I will follow your lead no matter where you go. I love how the early church made decisions. The early church had to make some very difficult decisions. In Acts chapter 13, they made one of the greatest decisions a church can make, and that is the decision to send out missionaries. That's a monumental decision. That's a big-time decision. That's a decision that has tremendous implications for the future. But I love how the early church made that decision. Acts chapter 13, verse 2 says, They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. You know, the way the early church made that decision was they didn't just get together and analyze the pros and cons. It wasn't the leaders huddled together and said, well, this seems good to us. No, they were worshiping, they were praying, they were fasting, they were submitting themselves under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And when they were in tune with the leadership of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit said, set apart these two men for this work. And the decision the church made was not the decision of man, but the decision of the church was the affirmation of what the Holy Spirit had already done. You know, that is how I pray that you would make decisions in your life. And that is how I pray I would make decisions in my life. You know, if you're wrestling with just an uncertain future, if you're saying, Dan, I just have this issue before me and I just don't know which way to go and I have two choices before me and do I take this job or do I take that job or do I pursue this relationship or do I pursue that relationship? Let me just tell you that the key for you to make a good and a wise decision is to worship. Just worship. Worship your hearts out. Worship and pray. Worship and seek the Lord. Worship and even humble your soul in fasting before God. Fasting is saying, Lord, I can live without food for a day, but I cannot live without you in this situation. Worship and pray. Worship and fast. And the result of that is you will be in tune with the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And when you are in tune with the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit will be faithful to lead and to guide you. How often do we make decisions and make plans apart from dependence on the Holy Spirit? Are you walking by the Spirit? Are you being filled with His influence? Are you being filled with His fruit? 
Are you depending on him? And what I want to look at in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, I just want to bring you and encourage you with two glorious truths about the Holy Spirit. First of all, I want to encourage you with the truth of verse 13, that every single believer has the Holy Spirit. Every single believer has the presence of the Spirit. No matter how young or how old, no matter how mature or immature, no matter how strong or how weak, every believer has the presence of the Spirit. Verse 13, Paul says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You'll notice there are only two requirements in this verse to receiving the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They are, number one, hear the gospel. He says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And the second requirement stems from the first, and that is to believe the gospel that you have heard. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, then you were sealed. Listen, there are only two requirements to receiving the Spirit. You hear the gospel, and you believe the gospel. You hear the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified, and you believe in that message, and you confess him as Lord. If you hear the gospel, and you believe the gospel message, God gives you the Holy Spirit, and he seals you. There are no further requirements in this text to receiving the full ministry of the Holy Spirit. Some of us feel in our lives that I've just, you know, God has given other believers the full measure of the Holy Spirit, but to me, he just gave like a tenth of the Spirit. I mean, John Piper, he's got the full Holy Spirit, but to me, God just gave me a little sampling of the Spirit. Or some of us feel that other Christians, they, I mean, they have the Jaguar in their garage. They have the Jaguar in their, in their homes, but God has given to me like a little pinto. And yeah, I need to be faithful with that, but, but I don't have the full promised Spirit. I don't have the full presence of the Holy Spirit. No, brothers and sisters, look at this text. If you heard the gospel, and if you believe the gospel, if you've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord in your heart, then you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, and there are no halves to this blessing in our lives. Every single Christian who believes in Christ has the full blessing of the Holy Spirit. The text does not say if you believe the gospel and hear the gospel and then pray for five hours, then God will give you the Spirit. And the text does not say that if you hear the gospel and believe the gospel and then have a supernatural experience, then you'll get the Spirit. No, hearing the gospel, believing the gospel, being a Christian is being given the full sealing of the Holy Spirit. We have been given the Holy Spirit, all of us, we have the full possession of the Holy Spirit of God. And that, dear brothers and sisters, is good news for our souls because it tells you and I that we have the full resource that any other Christian of all the ages has ever had in all of church history. We have the same resource and the same power as the greatest of saints who have lived in church history. Listen, you have the same Holy Spirit that the Apostle Peter did on the day of Pentecost. You have the same Holy Spirit that compelled Paul to go on his missionary journeys. You have the same indwelling Holy Spirit that the great preachers of old, C.H. Spurgeon, George Whitfield, John Calvin, Martin Luther, all of these saints had the Holy Spirit and you and I have the same Holy Spirit. We have the full resource of God in our lives. And the question is not, has God given to us the Holy Spirit? The question is, have we learned to walk by his influence? Have we learned to depend on him? Have we learned to rely on his power? You know, I will confess to you in all honesty that I do not rely on the Holy Spirit as I ought to and as I need to. That has just been something that's been just, God has been convicting me in my heart. That I place my trust in my own abilities. Or I tr place my trust even in preaching, on my, my ability to organize 
information or my ability to, to speak or to say things or to put together illustrations. And all of that, all of that is powerless apart from the Spirit. All of that is empty apart from the Spirit. You know, apart from the Spirit, the church, we can get stuff done. We can organize ministries. We can teach Bible studies. We can get believers together and and have snacks and have fellowship. But apart from the Spirit, we can produce no lasting spiritual change in anyone. There is no heart that can be transformed apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And God has just been convicting my heart as a pastor and a minister. How little, how little do I rely on the Spirit? I mean, how little do I come to the Bible and just open the Bible and just ask the Holy Spirit, would you be my teacher? Would you be the one to to illumine these truths to my heart? Holy Spirit, I don't want to just read the Bible and just come away unchanged. I don't want to just read the Bible and just be filled with information. I want to read the Bible and I want to grow in affections. I want to see the glory of Christ. I want to be changed and transformed. But the Holy Spirit, you have to do that. I can't do that work in my own heart, and I can definitely not do that work in anyone else's heart. Are we just doing ministry apart from the Spirit? Are we just cranking out activities apart from the Spirit? Are we just making decisions apart from the Spirit? Are we just organizing activities apart from the Spirit? Are we looking at our marriages? Are we looking at our husbands and our wives, and we're saying we're just trying to crank out these problems apart from the Spirit? No, we cannot do these things apart from the Spirit. We desperately need the Holy Spirit of God. And I believe where God wants to lead each of us this morning as we look at this text is simply to that place where we bow before God and we just say, God, I have to have the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, I'm just spinning my wheels. Otherwise, I'm just going to study for this test and get this major done, but there's going to be no lasting fruit in my life. Otherwise, I'm just coming to church and going through the motions, but there is no real lasting change in what I'm doing. Otherwise, I'm just busy, and I'm just cranking out stuff, but there's no lasting spiritual fruit. I, I believe the greatest temptation for Orange County Christians, besides materialism, materialism is, probably the, materialism is probably the biggest one, but one of the greatest temptations for Orange County Christians is the temptation to be busy and spiritually fruitless. To just have your schedule packed with stuff to be done and you're just not in tune with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes to get in tune with the Holy Spirit, what that means, you just need to say, look, everything else is of secondary importance. What is of first importance is my soul and the state of my soul. And I need to quiet myself before the word of God. And I need to ask the Holy Spirit to fill me and to lead me. Because if I am not filled with the Spirit, then there goes my marriage, and there goes my parenting, and there goes my ministry, and there goes my career. Well, you can work at a job without the Holy Spirit, but you can't work at a job and be spiritually fruitful without the Holy Spirit leading your life. Each of us have the Holy Spirit. Each of us are given the Spirit of God. Do you believe that you have the Holy Spirit and the full resources that you need to tackle your life? I think some of us, we just struggle with um, habitual sin. I mean, just the same sin patterns over and over again in our life and we start to despair and we just, we just feel we're not changing and, and we feel we're spiritually dry and we, we can't get ourselves to that place where we're, we're good with the Lord and, and we're just like rejoicing in Him and, that, and we're, we're bearing the fruit of a true disciple. We just can't get to that place and we feel we just, what happens after you've done that for a while is you end up just, just dragging yourself to church and putting a smile on your face and just acting the part of a Christian when there's no spiritual reality in your soul. And if you are a believer, if you've heard the gospel, if you believe the gospel, if you've been sealed with the Spirit, 
if you've been baptized with the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, then, then you don't need to live that way, and neither do I. We can submit ourselves to Him and walk by the Spirit, and we will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Sometimes the work of the Spirit takes a long time. Sometimes the sovereign work of the Spirit and sanctification is a, is a step-by-step process. But if you have the Holy Spirit of God, He will sanctify you because it is His work to make you like Christ. He is the Holy Spirit. I love that. The Bible doesn't call Him the gracious Spirit or the faithful Spirit or the omnipotent Spirit. The Bible calls Him the Holy Spirit because He is passionate about holiness in our lives. The first truth I want to encourage you with is that each of us have the Holy Spirit of God. Each of us have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, and we are declared to be the children of God. The second truth that I want to bring you from this text is that the ministry of the Spirit is a foretaste of heaven. The ministry of the Spirit is a foretaste of heaven. Look at verse 13. Paul says, We have been sealed with a promised Holy Spirit. And then Paul says this, Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. You know, when Paul is speaking about the whole idea of inheritance, he's speaking of our future glory in heaven. In verse 11, he says that we have obtained an inheritance. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, Peter says that we have an inheritance that is unfading and will not pass away, reserved in heaven for us. When the Bible is talking about our future inheritance, it's talking about the fact that we are destined for a glorious eternity. We are destined for an eternity in heaven. We have this inheritance because we are children of God. And then Paul says in verse 14 that one day we will acquire possession of it. We will acquire possession of this eternity. Randy Alcorn said that eternity is the line and your lives are a dot. And he said, live for the line and not for the dot. Each of us have a temptation to live for the dot and not for the line. Each of us have a temptation to see that this world is our home when it is not our home. And Paul, as he finishes this glorious doxology, he fixes our eyes on our future inheritance. We have an inheritance waiting for us in heaven. And we were made for the line of our future eternity. Jesus said that I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you will also be. First Peter chapter 1, verse 8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. If we love Jesus Christ today and we have not seen him. If we love Jesus Christ today and our faith is so weak, what will it be like when we're actually in his presence? When we're worshiping him in heaven for all of eternity? Revelation 5 verse 9 says, they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. But by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. I think one of the great lies that Orange County sells to you and sells to me, one of the great lies that this culture tries to get us to buy our hearts into is is to try to tell you that this place is your home. You ought to invest your affections here. And that is a lie. That is a lie, brothers and sisters. This is not our home. This is not where our affections lie. We live for the line. We don't live for the dot. C.S. Lewis said that if we discover ourselves a desire 
which no experience in this world can satisfy, then the most probable explanation for that is that we were made for another world. We were made for another world. You know, I've experienced that, haven't you? Those times when you're walking by the Holy Spirit, those times when you're not just reading the Bible, but when the Holy Spirit is illumining the truths of the Bible to your heart, and you're just, your heart is just being affected by the Word. Your heart is just being stunned by what you see in the Word. And it's not just intellectual, but it is, it is just amazing truth. Things are exploding in your mind. Truths about Christ. And you, you have this sense that there are, there's nothing in this world can satisfy the deepest affections of my heart. You just have this sense that take this world and give me Jesus. That you can take the cars, you could take the homes, that you could take everything in this world, but only Jesus Christ can satisfy my heart. And when you're walking by the Holy Spirit, and if that is the expression of your heart, then that is because you are longing for a world that is not here. You're longing for the future world, your future inheritance. I mean, have you ever just, have you ever just stood in, in awe of the Lord Jesus Christ and just been lost in worship and adoration for him? I mean, have you ever just stood before the cross and, and the Holy Spirit opened your eyes and you were just amazed? what you saw, the love of Christ for you? Have you ever just been, been rocked by the word? Just so rocked by the world, you don't even know what to say because this truth has been so overpowering to your heart. If you've ever experienced any of those things, that was the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And what that was, when you experienced those things, it was a foretaste of your future inheritance. Paul says that the Holy Spirit is our guarantee, our deposit, our erebon, our first installment of a greater payment that is to come. He is the guarantee, he is the foretaste of what is to come. And the foretaste is that when we get to heaven, all of those appetites and desires and affections that the Holy Spirit has kindled in our heart will be satisfied as we behold the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, you and I were not made for this world. I'm sorry, basketball will not fulfill that desire in your heart. And movies will not desire, fill fulfill the desire in your heart. Working harder won't fulfill those appetites. Only Jesus can satisfy. And when we get to heaven, we will be with him. Revelation 22 verse 3 says, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and they will reign forever and ever. In his classic allegory, Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan writes of the Christian's journey through life. And he says that Christian is walking on the road to the celestial city. He's walking the narrow road to his future inheritance in heaven. And at the end of that great Christian allegory, John Bunyan writes of Christian's entrance into the celestial city. And he says this, Christian said, I see myself now at the end of my journey. My toilsome days are ended. I'm going out to see that head that was crowned with thorns and that face that was spit upon for me. I have formerly lived by hearsay and faith, but now I go where I shall live by sight. And shall be with him whose company I delight myself. I have loved to hear my Lord spoken of, and wherever I have seen the print of his shoe on the earth, there I have coveted my foot too. And Bunyan writes of how the Christian leaves this world. He said that Christian's countenance changed, and he ceased to be seen of them. 
But glorious it was to see how open region was filled with horses and chariots, with trumpeter and with pipers, with singers and players on stringed instruments to welcome the pilgrims as they went up and followed one another at the beautiful gate of the celestial city. Oh, brothers and sisters, this is our inheritance. This is our inheritance. And we have been given the deposit, the guarantee, and the foretaste of our future heavenly home. And while we are here as pilgrims on this earth, and as we walk the narrow road that leads to the celestial city, we have a helper to come alongside of us. We have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Let us walk by him and live under his leadership and we will live, verse 14 says, to the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glorious grace. Let's bow in prayer together and let's give God thanks for what he has done. Father, I just confess that the words that have been spoken this morning will be spiritually fruitless apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If it is not the Holy Spirit who impresses these truths on every single believer's heart this morning, then this message will have been in vain and I would have passed time perhaps filled a job responsibility, but will have affected nothing of eternal impact unless it is your spirit who comes and impresses these truths on each heart. Oh, Holy Spirit, we need you. Just confess that this morning, how we need you. We need you for our lives, our sanctification, our ministry, our decisions, our families, our parenting, our service. Lord, we need you. We desperately need you. Forgive us. Forgive us for grieving you. Our heart of self-sufficiency and pride. By the prideful spirits in our heart that say that we can do these things apart from you. We cannot do these things apart from you. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you lead our church? Holy Spirit, may the decisions that are made by the leaders of this church be merely the affirmation of what the Holy Spirit is doing. May it not be the work of man, but may it be the work of God. And Lord, we ask that you would encourage every believer this morning. Lord, I know that some are just struggling with sin, struggling with discouragement, struggling with dryness, struggling with apathy, struggling with just feeling so far away from you and only the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit can, can change that. So we pray for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Come and do your work in each of our lives and hearts and we'll give praise, Lord, we will give praise the glory of your grace. We ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen. Amen.